Well, thank you so much, guys, for uh, joining us for this AMA. Um, for those of you who are joining now, this is DeFi Alpha. Um, I'm project lead at Umami Finance, um, and we've got CoinFlip and Fredegar from uh, GMX here. Um, so this has been, I know for GMX, this has been a packed week with the AMAs. You guys are doing a lot of really cool and exciting stuff um, for Arbitrum Odyssey. And I think that might be a good place to start. Do you guys just kind of want to brief uh, listeners a little bit on what you're doing for Arbitrum Odyssey and, and how that's been going so far? Um, sure. Do you want to start with that one, CoinFlip, or should I? All right, I'll go ahead. So the, the first plan, of course, for Arbitrum Odyssey was to introduce new users to our very powerful platform. So the Arbitrum-specific task for the Odyssey are to you know do the basic things that we're known for, make a swap, mint some GLP, enter a leveraged trade. But uh, we also decided that we wanted to do some more of our own internal marketing campaigning. So we've got basically two phases mm -hmm. that are going to be like unraveling throughout the week. So the first phase is we really want people to, you know, share the joy of GMX. So if you generate a referral code, you share it online and, you know, people use it, you'll essentially get an entry for every person that uses your referral code. And then additionally, the second phase is our Amazon, our AMA Amazon. So for an AMA like this one, we'll actually be dropping Easter eggs all throughout. Um, and then the main GMX you know, Twitter account will essentially tweet out a prompt. And those who are the first to answer the Easter egg or find it will be entered into win a raffle prize. So that's currently one Blueberry NFT for the first place. And then I believe second, third, and fourth place are essentially series of um, GMX bundles. So yeah, we're excited to be here and thank you for hosting us. Yeah, and that's that's a really good uh, overview, and and I think um, I, I I was remiss to maybe not ask you guys just to share sort of a a general overview of of GMX. That might be you know good, just given that you know this is sort of Arbitrum Odyssey week, and we're hopefully you know reaching out to some new users for the platform. So this is a good time for people to get to know you know the different projects. Um, do you guys want to maybe? share just just very high level sort of you know your your role in the ecosystem and then you know we can um, do the same for umami sure so um how i like to pitch gmx especially to someone who's kind of wanting to move over to the arbitrum network is that on arbitrum uh gmx is essentially the largest on-chain perpetual and spot swap decks so everything is on-chain price feeds are decentralized chain link oracles we have a really neat liquidity provision model that allows traders to essentially enter large position sizes without any, you know, price impact. Very, very low slippage. That's all thanks to our GLP, which, you know, of course, we could talk about later. And um, I mean, that's really the the bones of it is that we're you know, on chain and leverage decks with this really deep liquidity and with essentially everything on chain. So not only are the price feeds decentralized, but you can also just, you know, look on the blockchain to see what happened with your trade you know what caused the liquidation or anything like that it's all recorded thanks that's that's a really good overview and i can actually speak just you know obviously umami is, is a is a close partner of gmx but i can also just speak as a user I, I think for people who are new to arbitrum um you know gmx is a really a really impressive platform for all the reasons that you know fritigar said i mean you know i think for if someone was was using GMX and didn't know sort of anything, anything about the project or the chain it's on, right? They would probably assume, you know, it's a much more, they, they might think it's a much more centralized um, exchange, maybe right. a, you know, a more centralized alt L1. 
um, because the time to finality is so quick. The uh, the oracles provide you know such you know precise and, and up to date feeds for whatever asset you know that you're tracking. Um, and you know again the fact that you know there's the leverage trading is is so smooth and such low slippage. It you know might it's the sort of thing where someone might think that they're on you know maybe a synthetics um, exchange, but in fact you know this is this is actually happening you know um, mm-hmm. with with real underlying assets um, as as collateral and for the you know trader to to receive if they um, come out ahead. So you know I think I think that that's something that you know people are are gonna sort of continue to appreciate more as they get to know the platform. But I, I'd love to just learn a little bit about sort of what led you guys you know. We work with you all the time, but I'm curious sort of your backstory and, and what led to kind of the conceptualization of, of GMX and any any challenges that you, you know, maybe ran into early on trying to create something, you know, like what you have that is decentralized and is, you know, based in, you know, an L2 and, and not in, um, you know, and not, not an Alt L1, at least originally. I'm just curious a little more of your, your context on that. I'll, I'll take that. Um... So actually, you know, since we're talking about, you know, since you mentioned L1s, in many ways, I would say, you know, the seed came about from, you know, the very first project that was sort of under the umbrella, which was called XFIX, which had deployed an Ethereum mainnet, had a lot of interesting concepts around token burns, methodology to sort of model out inflation, really incentive structures. And, you know, as part of those concepts, um, the very, very, very first, uh, you could say, project that came in after that, uh, XFIX, was something we actually called X2. And what X2 was is um, effectively leverage tokens. Uh, they worked. They worked well. You know, if you took one side, funding rates helped to balance. But, but, but there was an issue. And that issue came down to, despite having, you know, oracles, that were working, supporting the, the system, if you didn't have enough liquidity, the system just didn't work in the end. And being on mainnet, you know, transaction costs are so prohibitively high that, you know, you really started to look and say, well, how do you create this right trading experience where people can come and and balance and balance the positions? And, and that's actually where, call it... Uh, I don't want to use the word failure, but the failure of X2 is what actually um, triggered, you know, what eventually became Gambit, which was deployed as a sort of our alpha on BSC, and then moved and became GMX. It became this idea of saying there needs to be constant liquidity available for a trader to come in and to, to be able to take their positions. How do you make sure that that liquidity is not fragmented? If I take you to the initial days of, you know, a Uniswap, or anything else. Each pair was its own token. It existed in their own silos. Here, what we did was by bringing everything under a single pool, right? So, for example, on GMX, you've got Ethereum, BTC, Uni, Link, and a whole range of stablecoins. That entire diversified basket allows for actually even more liquidity than it seems on the, on the surface because the fact is that by having all those tables, I can say you can take long positions on any of these tokens. You can take short positions, and, and we don't need to keep the, the funds segregated for the ability to open those positions. So, you know, in, in, in many ways, where we've ended up was by looking at exactly those limitations. Hmm. Uh, 
and 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 by the way, I, I, your your comment about it feels like you're on a on a little private chain when you're on Arbitrum. I mean, it, 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 you know, what we've been able to do and what we hope to continue to be able to do would not be possible on something like Ethereum mainnet. You know, Arbitrum, despite being, you know, fully secured by, you know, drawing its security from Ethereum, but delivering this sort of DeFi-friendly environment uh, with, you know, all, you know, near instant finality and low transaction costs. It, you know, today we had... We had, we've had, I think, 7,000 people open positions on GMX. Now, that's not a typical day. Arbitrum Odyssey obviously has <laughs> had an impact. But, uh, I could, you know, that you, we're talking, you know, NFT drop levels of, uh, of activity that, you know, would cripple um, the Ethereum mainnet. Uh, and, you know, obviously, it, you know, it, it, it's been a busy day on Arbitrum, but, you know, the chain keeps going. Yeah, and I think you... Uh... You raised some really interesting points there, um, and I, you know, I think one thing I might uh, just, in in the spirit of Arbitrum Odyssey, I, I will use this as an opportunity for for a plug. I know that you know part of your uh, Easter egg hunt involves some fun facts about uh, GMX. Might I ask what what was the original version of uh, of GLP called? Now that you've given some of the backstory behind its genesis, um, I think. Uh, Fridigar can can elaborate on this, but I think that there's um, an Easter egg attached to that question. Yeah, I'm glad that CoinClip actually brought up Gambit because, like, again, Gambit is probably like the most recent iteration of what GMX is today. And one of the challenges that we did run into using Gambit was the fact that essentially our liquidity provision token, which is at the time, and this is you know it's a fun fact for me because I can't think of any other token that's really accomplished this. But um, USDG or USD Gambit was essentially the first, you know, interest bearing stable token on Binance Smart Chain. And that was our liquidity provision token um, at the time. And one of the issues that we ran into that was, you know, if you want to have a stable coin, it needs to be over collateralized. And I'm only saying that, like, not because it has to, but that's just the most reasonable model right now with crypto. Right. We've kind of seen the algo stables kind of run into a hiccup. So the issue is how can you both ensure that USDG is over collateralized and that enough liquidity is still there for large traders to like, you know, enter their positions, you know, do crazy leverage like 30 times or whatnot. And so, you know, the solution to that was, why don't we just make it free floating instead? And so now we have something like GLP. It's not particularly pegged to anything other than the underlying assets, you know, that's in that pool. And so, you know, that was just one of those really great learning experiences that has now given us the very powerful tool that, you know, we all talk about all the time, which is GLP. So, you know, that's one of the fun facts I love sharing. USDG was the original kind of like model before, you know, we tweaked it, improved it and um, came up with GLP instead. Very cool. And and actually, you know, now that we're sort of talking just a little bit about about the backstory behind GMX, some of the stuff is, is stuff that I'm, I'm genuinely uh, curious about myself. Um, but, you know, I, I, what strikes me is you guys are only nine months old. And if, if I'm correct about that, at least your, your current version. Um, and, you know, GLP, the GLP pool, even now, right? And, and there's a fairly, uh, we're in a relatively down market, which, which affects the, the headline figure here. But, you know, there's $163 million in liquidity there. And, and I know, you know, I've, I've shared this before in other contexts that, you know, GLP now provides the deepest, lowest slippage liquidity available for, you know, core 
um, core pairs like BTC and, and ETH um, and, and USDC, and that's you know including um, liquidity on mainnet, if if I'm not mistaken. And I'm, I mean, that's that's a very rapid you know accumulation of uh, of TVL, and I know that your volume is you know pretty. If I'm looking at the 24 hour volume, you know, just the past day is, is 48 million dollars, and, and I'm I'm curious because this is something that we run into, you know, with our with our strategy at Umami is this question of, you know, we're really bullish on Arbitrum. It's capable of doing things, you know, as you guys have said, that are, just can't be done on mainnet, but it inherits mainnet security. So, you know, we see the potential, but, you know, getting, drawing the deep liquidity, you know, to the network that's needed to do, you know, some of the things that we want to do, you know, or other protocols might want to do is still a perennial challenge when you're, you're scaling, you know, a, a relatively young L2. So I'm just curious, um, you know, about the, the backstory behind how you guys attracted, you know, as much TVL as you did and whether that there was sort of a, a game plan to sort of woo TVL from mainnet or whether that just sort of, you know, if it was more of a, if you build it, they will come dynamic and it, and it just sort of came on its own. I, so I, I do, I do think that there is a certain aspect of if you build it, they, they will come. I think there was definitely a very conscious decision made to go come to Arbitrum. And and you know, for us, Arbitrum is Ethereum, right? And I think that for many other people as well, that same holds true. I mean, there, there are many people who uh, you would consider ETH maxes or just generally who draw comfort from what Ethereum is, mm -hmm. who still aren't active on chains like Matic and other ones that you would consider L2s because they don't draw their security. They, you cannot theoretically derive and rebuild the chain just using what is... You know, deployed on Ethereum, and I think it is it, it is that comfort that helped when Arbitrum launched uh, back in I'd say well, I think technically it was live a little earlier, but September of last year is when it it was live. Let's say to the public, I think I think it attracted and it caught people's imagination. And you know, we we as a project had sort of uh, because we were having RPC issues and many issues on BSC, which you know at that time was really. Uh, you know, sort of bursting at the seams. We, you know, we we took time. You know, X worked and uh, sorry, who's the the founder and lead developer to really, um, you know, make sure the protocol was well geared. And we we effectively then sat on our hands for a couple of months waiting for Arbitrum to launch because we said if we're going to launch, we're going to have the product we want. We want it to be where we see coming, where we see capital be. And I think Arbitrum has been able to do that. And and it's and you know yes the, that that headline number is really nice, but I think for us what's more important is you know the volume and the usage, because uh, you know the, there's 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 countless chains that have sort of done incentive programs and had billions of TVL come across. It sits there, it takes incentives, and it moves on. Everything that you're seeing on Arbitrum is natural. There's there's no there's no added incentives coming to have people come to Arbitrum. The campaign that's happening right now, also, I mean, it's it's really about just drawing people in and letting them come and see the wonderful projects that I've now spent the last nine months building building over there. So, you know, I think from our standpoint, we were very clear that you know, Arbitrum is is our Ethereum home, and we wanted to have a home on Ethereum. 
Yeah, no, that's that's really helpful. And obviously, you hit on a, on a point that is is dear to our hearts at Umami, which is you know the fact that you know as you're saying the the TVL that you've drawn is is not you know in response to some sort of you know incentive emissions. I mean, there's a few sort you know limited incentives that I know that you guys um, you know reward long term stakers with, but it's sort of very strategic and and limited and actually impossible to dump. Um, and you know most of the um, most of the performance really, you know, of, of the exchange itself. And then, you know, of course, also the GMX and GLP tokens is just driven by, you know, actual sustainable trading volume, which is, you know, scaled. And that's, uh, that's a theme, you know, and it's probably a whole other topic, you know, that we could, we could get into more, you know, on another day, but, you know, Umami is very much built around the thesis that, you know, long-term what's going to drive, you know, in continued migration of TBL, you know, into blockchain in general, and it's going to determine, you know, what sorts of projects um, and products win is going to be whether, you know, they're based on sustainable revenue streams, you know, in something other than the protocol token, um, you know, something closer to, you know, revenue, um, sort of in, in, you know, trad, uh, trad businesses. And I think you guys have really sort of taken a taken a lead on that. And that's something, you know, we have a similar model at umami and that you know we pay out protocol revenue to our stakers in in eth but you know i think that the fact that you know we're seeing this much tvl migration you know to arbitrum and to projects like yours um you know even during you know surprisingly bad you know period in the market speaks to how attractive um that proposition is to uh to holders um, and maybe actually on that note, it might be worth just sharing with anyone who is learning about GMX. Do you want to share a little bit about just the the GMX and GLP token model from from a holder's perspective? Because that's another you know major attraction to the project, I think. Um, definitely. So one of the things that definitely attracted me to the GMX platform and the token itself was kind of like what you highlighted at first. It was um, for me, right? I was coming from platforms and protocols where the platform token was what you were compensated for, for participating and using that platform, right? And we're all familiar with what the very obvious problems that presents, right? If the platform wants to grow and it gets more users, meaning it emits more rewards, it's essentially going to lead to you know, an inflation supply or a dump scenario or a combination of both. Either way, all three of those will lead to you know the, t- the price tanking kind of, you know, the team scrambling to retool the the token for another use. And it essentially kind of disrupts the project and not just the project, but the people who are looking to kind of, you know, build or include that project as a part of their their financial game in the crypto sphere, right? Um, so GMX and GLP essentially are the, the two platform tokens. GMX is what I would consider the stakeholder token. So like if you're interested in the GMX platform, you want to have a stake in the direction it goes in and you believe in its success, um, then the GMX token is probably what you're looking for. And if you're more interested in, say, yield farming is what it's traditionally called in crypto in the crypto space, but I feel like because of the tokenomic model of GMX, we're kind of moving away from the idea of yield farming and kind of more entering into this position of, say, maybe like efficient capital management, because that's really what GLP is. Um, GLP is that liquidity provision token. Um, it earns 70% of the protocol fees on chain. Um, I want to specify that because, of course, GMX is deployed on Arbitrum and Avalanche. So there's a GLP for Avalanche specific capital pool, and there's a GLP for the Arbitrum specific capital pool. 
And 70% of all the revenue generated on the Arbitrum deploy and on the Avalanche deploy go to their respective GLPs. Now, what's really cool about GMX is 30% of all revenue generated, regardless of what chain it's on, goes to GMX holders. And I think that's really what is not only powerful about it, but it really kind of draws you in and wants you as a token holder or staker to you know, root for the success of the platform, not just because it's something that you like or that you have a bag in it, but because it actually works. It's innovative. And the way it works is also the way that it rewards you. So it's this really cool, sustainable, you know, kind of we're all on the same side kind of approach to a tokenomic model. And I think that it's just it's just one of those really simple innovations that, you know, you hear about it and you almost kind of want to wonder, you know, why wasn't this done before? But you know, GMX did it, and you know I'm glad to be a part of the team that's as smart and as innovative as they are. So, yeah, it's a really interesting um, two tokens that we have for the platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I might add, I mean, Umami is, I, I believe, on on Arbitrum at least, if not overall, the largest GLP holder, right? The the liquidity provider. Yep. Yep. You token. guys are. And you know, I, I think just a few things about about that particular token that, that I can speak to that that make it you know very attractive. Um, you know, for any number of holders is that, you know, for not only is it, you know, sort of risk hedged in, in the sense that it's, it is effectively an index and, and half of that index or, you know, approximately half is comprised of stables, right? And therefore it's, it's considerably less volatile than, you know, majority of non-stable assets you could hold chain. Um, but, you know, I think that this is something you guys sort of alluded to earlier, um, you know, GLP. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, has a claim on on seventy percent of the uh, the revenues from the trading platform, and you know, as the counterparty in trades, um, collects you know any any collateral um, posted by traders who are liquidated, right? And and one of the things, mm-hmm. you know, you can see this right now for people to go on the GMX app. Um, you know. What, during periods of sort of high trading activity or, you know, frankly, uh, high, high levels of trader liquidation, you know, which would be, you know, many, any, any period really where there's, you know, a lot of volatility in the markets, you know, certainly um, during a lot of bear market, you know, circumstances such as, you know, the one we're in now, um, GLP will often, you know, really outperform, right? I think that when I last checked you guys, GLP, you know, sort of, has its rewards are partially ESGM submissions. So there's a little bit of an incentive token emission there, but um, most of it is ETH and its APR was 24% in ETH. Um, and, you know, one of the things that's made it very attractive to Umami is that, you know, when you're in a circumstance where, you know, there is a market downturn, particularly if it's sort of sharp and abrupt, um, GLP is, has a somewhat counter cyclical return profile, right? Mm-hmm. Very counter profile. Yeah, it does. It tends to perform very well, um, given its claim on the trading platform. I don't know if you guys want to elaborate on that, but I thought it would be sort of worth sharing with listeners. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think what, what you'll find is that uh, with, with GLP, as you said, you have, you have inherently a system that has uh, a hedge built in. You know, you are you're you're carrying stable coins. You are carrying volatile assets. You are getting market, You are getting a certain level of market exposure, but you're earning from fees from all of those assets being at work. That, that may be people doing stable coin swaps. That may be people doing swaps between ETH and stable coins. And and obviously the biggest revenue generators, people leverage trading, open fees, closed fees, 
and the like. So, you know, I, I think one of the, the things that we always, you know, are, are, you know, it's great to be in a, a situation where the yield that you're earning is coming from actual activity and and is done so in a way that, you know, even even now, as you mentioned, the markets may be down, but, you know, at least in volume of ETH or volume of BTC that's being traded on the platform, it's up. Mm-hmm. We continue to be growing, you know, our volumes as a share, as a share because in the end, you know, we you, a lot of people may think about trading as a purely speculative activity. It may not, it, in, in many scenarios, it's not just that. Quite often, it's a combination of speculation. It's a co- combination of people using capital-efficient nature that professionals provide. It's using hedging strategy. You know, so in in all cases, that activity continues to happen. And we definitely see a cycle where more and more of that activity continues to move on chain, which we believe will continue to drive utilization and usage of the platform and 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 fees. And, you know, I think we, we, we definitely like, well, uh, we're in the business, so we like the business, but, you know, being a GLP investor, you effectively get to do exactly what a market maker does. Get to, you're, you're basically doing the exact same business that mm-hmm. Jump and Alameda, uh, you know, so many of the big players do, which is make markets and, and earn, earn those pieces. That's what GLP gives you back as, as a return for doing the exact same process. Yeah, that's, that's really important. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to add because now I was thinking a little bit more about the way you asked your question. I mean, another thing that's cool about, you know, GOP is it is a muted asset because in another way, and, I'm, and I, I like to kind of test out this pitch because it's, you know, it's interesting, is for those who might be looking for a, a native crypto kind of ETF or like index, mm-hmm. as far as I know, GOP is essentially the closest thing to an on-chain crypto etf or index right it's a combination of these large blue chips um for arbitrum i believe it's bitcoin ethereum uni and link right and then about 50 or let me actually check the dashboard right now give me one second so it's about 48 percent stables right and that essentially shows you it gives you that market exposure and you're earning at the same exact time so another way to think about glp if this is something you've been looking for is you know a crypto index as well Mm-hmm. And actually, um, you know, now I might be moving into sort of uh, seeing if you guys will will share any alpha with with listeners. And these are things I'm genuinely curious about as well. I mean, my understanding is that you know over time the GLP pool will will expand and diversify uh, into additional assets. You know, I, I've heard you know I've heard different ideas floated um, as to you know what other you know core uh, crypto assets could be added to the pool, you know, in the, in the near term. Um, I've heard CRV, for example, and I'd be curious to, I could imagine others being a fit as well, but do you, do you guys have anything you can share in terms of sort of longer term, um, the breakdown of assets in the GLP pool and whether your goal is to have something sort of very, very diversified? So, so I think, I think, I think this, it, the answer is twofold. I think that within GLP itself and the way that GLP is constructed, uh, you know, being being a platform that is backed by the assets that are being traded, we we look to have we sorry we, we look to have a situation where the assets that are that are added are the most blue chip assets, both from both from the perspective of holding them as a liquidity provider. But also from the perspective of the safety and security of the platform, uh, 
in terms of, you know, we work by replicating and reflecting deep trading markets on centralized and other exchanges. And to do so, you really need tokens that have that depth of volume. So mm -hmm. while we, we may potentially continue to grow GLP a little wider, it's a safe bet to say that the most immediate additions that you'll see would be top 10 tokens where it's possible. Okay. Uh, you know, so there's tokens, for example, like I'll use an example. Uh, Soul is generally speaking on most weeks, uh, the third most traded perp uh, product, um, uh, you know, within the wider uh, perpetuals market and including on centralized exchanges. It's just that Soul is not bridged in any material quantity to Arbitrum. So it, it would be, it's difficult to add it to something the size of GLP and to do so in a meaningful fashion. Uh, you know, BNB is the next most traded, likewise, not, not readily available on Arbitrum. So, you know, but I think we are continuing to have conversations. We want to obviously gauge what are the assets that our community wants to trade, the traders want to trade. Because, as you said, you know, you're looking to, to hold blue chip assets, but you're also looking at assets that will have volume and rubber, because that is enabling. So I think that, you know, that's what you're going to see on one side. Further, though, I think, uh, you know, we, we have released, uh, you know, information about our synth platform that we're working on. Mm -hmm. And there, I think, will be a much wider set of assets because we, you know, we start to look at other economic uh, parameters for how you keep markets in balance. Some, some are concepts that others have worked with. Some are concepts that we have, we're taking and further adapting. And, you know, sort of like the way we brought about with GLP, we're trying to do something different on the synth side. And there, potentially, you could see, uh, you know, even permissionless markets be able to come mm -hmm. up, supported by oracles, uh, and then select assets, you know, further backstopped by, you know, larger, a large liquidity pool um, in the nature of G a GLP, mm -hmm. but, but probably something a little different. Okay. So, you know, I think, I think what you'll see is that there's not necessarily a one-size-that-fits-all for, you know, I think for what for the trading experience that you get with I'll say the two flagships, ETH and BTC, we think GLP provides an you know an unparalleled experience and and from a, from a liquidity pool standpoint, it is very compelling for people to to take a relatively low risk approach to taking providing liquidity while being in those specific assets. And I think that is a very large pool of investors who who like that type of uh, exposure. Which I guess the size of GLP is our reflection of. Yeah, no, that's that's really helpful. And I think maybe the last thing I'll flag, and then you know we can we can pivot and cover a little bit about you know Umami's vault, which also you know connects very closely to GMX. Um, but I think that the last thing I'd be curious to hear more about from you guys, you know, I know that as as you alluded to, you have a a new product coming out, you know, relatively soon. I don't know the exact timeline, but you know this you know synthetics platform, um, you know and and also described, you know, a, a PVP AMM that, you know, wouldn't rely on the GLP pool as, as liquidity, but would actually, you know, match, match traders to traders. And, you know, might, there might be some, you know, liquidity provider role if I understand it properly, but that's not, you know, necessary for the functioning of that, that product. Um, and, you know, that will be, you know, rolling out sort of simultaneous to um, a a trend that we're just seeing with you know your existing platform, which is you know more and more spot trades being routed, um, you know, usually by Dex aggregators through through GLP because of the you know really deep liquidity that we've been 
talking about. So, you know, just curious, sort of in the future, say six months down the line for GMX, um, you know, do you still see yourselves, um, you know, primarily um, being driven by revenues from leveraged perps? Or, you know, does this become sort of largely, you know, just sort of a, a general play on, you know, trading, including a lot of spot trading on Arbitrum um, with, you know, revenues from both, you know, the PVP AMM and then also, you know, trades through GLP that use GLP liquidity? So I, I think the answer would be that, you know, time will tell, you know, it is conceivable that the PVP platform can also take up a lot of the activity that we currently do under GLP. So, you know, we're not, we're not trying to pick, pick sides, but what we do want to do is roll these products out and make sure that they're available in the market. I would say that, you know, the commitment that you have, that, that our team has made is that, you know, as we continue to build projects, protocols, extensions, work with others, we want to do that all under the GMX token. So mm -hmm. be it we're talking what we're doing with since PVP, what we're doing with potentially X4, which is an AMM that we that we would like to, to continue to develop. They are they all they all fit together. They're all building mm -hmm. products. Even now, uh, and I think you know, maybe it's a very you know, you mentioned we should talk about the Umami Vault. I mean, we view what we're doing with you as exactly, you know, an example of that. You know, how do we make sure that this, that the that the base where we've created is a building block for others to keep building, right? Right. That can be a whole range of vault strategies. That can be trading strategies, hedging strategies. Uh, you know, we've got collaborations with options platforms. All of that is about stitching together a DeFi ecosystem. And, and you know, a capital efficient trading model is, we feel, you know, a key mm -hmm. part of that. And so we're going to keep working on uh, capital efficient solutions, both for traders and for liquidity providers, where, you know, you get high volume flowing through uh, the capital that you're providing, and thereby you're, you're earning a healthy return from, from liquidity provision. Yeah, um, it's, it's funny. I mean, I think uh, I, you, you guys have, have done such a good job of identifying, you know, some of the key you know, needs within the ecosystem, you know, particularly with respect to, to trading liquidity that, you know, the biggest, uh, one of the biggest concerns that, that we have on our end, it's not really a concern, but it's, you know, the open questions is how are we going to diversify beyond, you know, GMX, right, as sort of uh, a, a primary underlying source of yield, right? Because, um, you know, as you guys just continue to, to scale, you know, your trading platform and layer on things like PVP AMM and X4 and, and draw in, you know, more liquidity to GLP and maybe some other liquidity pools, um, you know, we run into the situation where, you know, the vaults that we are focusing on building, you know, around GMX are just so scalable, right? Because, um, you know, you guys already have that sort of critical mass and are building on top of it. So, you know, that's, that's me really just saying that we are, we're very bullish on you guys. And it'll be, we almost, we almost want to see a few, you know, real competitors uh, come into the space just so that we're not so, you know, heavily concentrated on, uh, on GMX just to, to answer questions that we get about diversification. But um, I'm, I'm saying that playfully, of course, because you guys are just doing a fantastic job in the ecosystem. You know, you know, I, I think it's, a, it's an interesting thing, you know, we, obviously, we speak with you, we speak with, so we even speak with other, per, you know, other, you know, perp or 
or synthetic platforms that are coming to Arbitrum, and we're happy. I mean, listen, we, we, we believe that a more robust ecosystem will bring more people in and, you know, create more opportunities for everyone. And so, you know, we, we welcome everyone. I mean, I don't know yeah. what's the point. Yep. Um, and so do you, is there anything you guys wanted to sort of ask Umami, you know, about, about our vaults or about anything else? If not, I can, you know, share some things, but I'd you know, rather kind of hand the mic to you guys. Um, if I, I wanted to kind of ask, I know, you know, so much of what we were talking about was about GMX and kind of like where we were coming from. I mean, one thing I always thought was incredibly impressive about Umami Finance was the really careful job that you guys did kind of turning away from the, the original kind of mm -hmm. ohm fork model that you guys were working on as like Z2O originally. So if you can kind of give us some of that interesting insight as like maybe not like a developer, but kind of more entering yeah. into a project that's already kind of been deployed and more importantly, saving it from, you know, what was this really interesting narrative collapse that we saw happening? Yeah. Um, no, thank, I, thank you for asking that. I think that there is some, some interesting backstory there. So yeah, I mean, I, I joined just as, as a contributor to a project called zero Two ohm, um, which was, um, it really was, it was, it was our predecessor. Um, we, you know, that project had launched, as you said, during sort of, you know, peak ohm fork frenzy. And, and for those of you who aren't familiar with that, um, you know, basically there, this project Olympus DAO was enormously successful on mainnet and there were probably at, you know, at the peak of this, you know, probably three dozen, um, projects doing, you know, essentially a similar, uh, tokenomics model on, you know, basically every chain. Um, one thing that was a little bit unique about zero to ohm was that it was really the only such project on Arbitrum. And, you know, for those who aren't familiar with, uh, you know, the sort of ohm fork or Olympus Dow model. What that really means is that, you know, this, the projects focus on raising enormous amounts of protocol on liquidity um, by, in essence, sort of heavily incentivizing the, the provision of that liquidity through emissions of their native token. And, you know, uh, frankly, for me, at least, the, the writing was on the wall pretty early on because it was clear that that this kind of tokenomics model was unsustainable. Um, the market, you know, had come to exp it, there, there was this competition between projects for the highest possible APY, and the figures got into the millions um, APY from from token emissions. Obviously, you know, eventually the the inflationary effect of that caught up with those projects, and most of them went underwater. But, you know, again, the, the key thing for, for Zero Two Ohm, which at that point actually had already rebranded as Umami, um, Umami Finance, was that it was, it had raised a considerable amount of protocol and liquidity on Arbitrum and was the only such project to have done that. And, you know, as we've been talking about, Arbitrum's, you know, very, very promising ecosystem. GMX has done, you know, an, enor uh, an incredible job of attracting liquidity to their platform. But overall, um, it's an ecosystem where, you know, the amount of sort of innovation and, you know, the, the depth of, you know, the, the variety of DeFi projects that are on Arbitrum has kind of outpaced the availability of liquidity to, to stand up those markets. And so that was sort of a key observation that, you know, the team had made, um, you know, after sort of the, that initial ohm fork phase. And, in a sense, we were we were lucky because, you know, the the collapse of Ohm fork tokenomics and our our uh, 
the drop in our price of our token kind of forced um, some some serious changes to the protocol. There was a big turnover in the team. I took over as project lead, and you know, the, to be perfectly honest, at the time, you know, this would have been late January that that I was taking over, and you know, sort of the team was being reconstituted. We didn't necessarily have you know one specific course of action that we were committed to to doing, but we we had sort of done an internal review of our advantages and, you know, being on Arbitrum, having already built a lot of partnerships, having protocol loan liquidity and sort of having really identified, you know, a number of, of liquidity gaps on the network and, and the potential to earn real revenue, which kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, um, were all key. Um, and we also recognized that, you know, in the fallout of, um, of you know the the own fork period that just really highlighted you know again what we were we were discussing earlier in this conversation which is that for projects to really survive and to you know provide sustainable returns to holders and to attract you know more capital including institutional capital they need to they need to have a model that allows token holders to get a claim on protocol revenue it's not not just unsustainable mm-hmm. inflationary so yeah so we added that to our umami token um so that umami stakers would receive a cut of protocol revenue through ETH. we immediately started deploying our protocol on liquidity you know around the network to you know places where you know we had the potential to generate as much you know actual revenue as liquidity providers as possible and ended up being the case that a lot of that was to glp and and from there you know that's when we really started focusing on on a product strategy um and that kind of takes where we are now um with you know the usdcc vault that we're going to be launching um imminently and the uh you know several other vaults that are also in the pipeline which you know i'm happy to talk about no thank you for that insight Mm -hmm. i was going to say you know if if you actually go back to Olympus was obviously, uh, you know, a phenomenon of its own, but in reality, the approach was protocol and liquidity as a way to generate a treasury to then move projects forward. And you're right. Mm-hmm. Most own forex never even conceived to understand that you need a project. Right. Raising money, you're raising money. That's like an, like an ICO or anything else. But yeah, I mean, I think the, the way that you, the way that you've transitioned and taken that capital and, you know, and said, you know, we, Let's use that capital and use that as muscle to enter and, cr- and be able to create products and use mm-hmm. our capital to be able to see those products. That one was very much the right, the right approach. And I think, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to, you know, saying to not squandering that opportunity because there, was, there were so many that just, you know, they, they obviously had no, no conception of what comes next. And, and you're right. Maybe that's what the original team here also was, but it's a, it's been a ple- it's been a pleasure working with you guys because, I you know we we are constantly able to see how you're thinking about things and it's, mm-hmm. it's refreshing. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I mean maybe just to sort of add to kind of the observations that we made through that transition, you know, I, I think we've we've talked about this just in our 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 own discussions. You know, we we not only you know sort of we not only decided that we need to sort of commit to allocating this protocol on liquidity in a way that generates revenue. But we've also very quickly realized that we don't, we, we don't want 
protocol loan liquidity to be the primary driver of revenue. And you'll, you'll observe, and this isn't to criticize any other project, but you'll observe you know, different own forks have sort of adjusted. There's, you know, course corrected to different degrees, but many of them still rely on, you know, raising and allocating protocol loan liquidity as their primary value driver. Um, and if you notice with Umami, we stopped even really foregrounding metrics for, you know, the performance of our, of our treasury. Um, and that's by design. Um, we're going to have a comprehensive dashboard coming out from Multiform soon, so that data will be available. But, you know, one of the things that we learned um, from sort of this entire own fork experiment is that, you know, there is a place for protocol on liquidity. It, you know, the, there's nothing inherently wrong with sort of the bonding mechanism unto itself that um, Ohm Olympus Dow developed to, you know, raise, you know, fully owned um, treasury capital. But it really is most valuable when it is performing a support function for some kind of, you know, other products that are not, you know, that, that don't involve, you know, directly allocating your treasury assets. And, and that's because and this kind of gets into our vault, our vault strategy now. There's, there's a lot of uh, value to be created on chain through, you know, effectively market segmentation, right? So if you can create strategies that are, you know, very tailored to, you know, the use cases of, you know, a particular subset of holders, whether it's, you know, it's some institutional capital wants, you know, sort of VC-like exposure, some wants, you know, um, very stable delta neutral yield, some really wants to have, you know, more allocation, um, you know, more exposure to the performance of, ETH and BTC, but they, you know, want to get as much yield as they can um, from those holdings, you know, while while they're in their portfolio. Um, that's obviously, that's, that's just not something you can do if, you know, you're just relying on kind of a, a smorgasbord of treasury assets. But, you know, if you have independent vaults tailored to those strategies, that's when, you know, having that protocol-owned liquidity can then really start to be of, of you know, meaningful value because you can use that to to play a supporting function right for for other products and to help stand up markets to create liquidity you know in a, in a very stable way where you don't need to rely on you know emissions incentives to to get people to provide liquidity um and so it, once once we made that shift in other words to sort of not not seeing the protocol on liquidity itself as you know our central value prop that's when we started to actually see you know, how valuable it could be, um, but, you know, only only in as much as it's supporting, you know, an actual business model with with other DeFi products. No, I, as you said, I mean, I, I think it's by, by breaking free from the shackles of, you know, what's your backing price, what's your backing price? I mean, I, I, it, it, in many ways, it, it, it was uh, it was it was actually one of the negative parts of totally. the cycle was that, you know, most projects don't have a treasury and are valued at what they're going to do. And mm -hmm. if you were an, and you had a treasury, it didn't matter what you were going to do. You could only be worth your totally uh, your backing. So yeah, no, I, I mean I think, um, but but you know, I mean, since we're talking about it, I mean, in some ways, I think the vault that you're now about to deploy kind of mimics the sort of the investment strategy that's right that you've done uh, during the last few months um, as well. Yeah, and I, I, that's that's a very good point, right? And I think, to be honest, I think that our our original concept for the vaults emerged from you know our discussions, you know, yours and yours and mine coin flip, you know, early on during Umami's pivot, 
Um, and yeah, I think I, I was sort of alluding to that earlier when, when I said, you know, that it's, you can't, you can't effectively market segment and provide, you know, the right product for the right, you know, subset of users if you're just relying on protocol owned liquidity, right? And it, it made sense over time to, you know, recognize that we're going to optimize our, our treasury allocations, right, for our own, you know, strategic goals, right? We want to cover OPEX, we want to have exposure to Arbitrum because we're obviously bullish on it. We want to provide liquidity, you know, to certain certain tokens that we're it's important for, for us to to have deep liquidity for. Um, but Sort of as you said, that that exposure that we had to to, G, to GLP, um, which really has been the foundation of our our treasury management strategy, sort of since this pivot that we've been talking about, um, and then the hedging that we used on Tracer, right, which we haven't really gotten into in this discussion, but Tracer DAO is another incredible Arbitrum project um, that has you know a very unique product called perpetual pools that allow you to take levered long or short exposure on a token without ever risking liquidation, which is you know pretty unique and, and highly appealing for sort of risk averse, um, risk averse protocol treasuries like us, right? But also potentially many other sort of long-term sort of more yield oriented investors. And so, you know, what we realized is, um, it makes a lot of sense to kind of strip this strategy out of the context of our treasury. It's working for us very well, but, you know, allow it to just be a very focused play on, you know, maximizing yield through exposure to GLP while, you know, minimizing, you know, minimizing exposure to market volatility so much so that, you know, the, the vault that we're launching now um, is, is Delta neutral. So it's, you know, very carefully, um, calibrated every 24 hours, we adjust our hedges on Tracer to maintain as close to perfect delta neutrality as possible. And, and that enables people to just deposit USDC um, and, you know, collect yield effectively to sourced from the GMX platform because the deposit USDC emits GLP as well as the Tracer hedges. Um, and although the yield is in uh, ETH, obviously from from GLP or from GMX, um, there's very deep liquidity between ETH and USDC. So you know the depositors put deposit USDC and then they withdraw you know their deposited USDC plus you know all of their returns. It's usually targeting twenty percent APR or higher. Um, also in USDC, which is a pretty pretty unique product. That again, you know what what we quickly realized after sort of developing it and, and doing some business development around it, that that's very in line with, I think, a lot of what a lot of institutional capital is is attracted to on chain. They want, they see that there are very high yields to be had far above what you can get um, in, you know, say treasury, um, U.S. treasuries or, you know, any sort of, you know, trad by market, but they, they're risk off. And so something that is just USDC in, USDC out is is quite appealing so we're excited to sort of see see what effect that has in, in helping kind of bring perhaps more conservative you know capital but you know, potentially a lot of it to uh to arbitrum yeah that's important it's going to be exciting yeah i mean is there anything else that you guys want to ask about umami or or just sort of flag um as to share with listeners well, you know, I, I think I think one one thing, you know, since we were talking about it, which is, you know, as I said, you know, we've got obviously we're working with you. Tracer is also part of this. 
what are are there any other pro protocols on Arbitrum that you guys are talking with, discussing? Because you know, I think for us and for everyone, you know, this week and the next few weeks is really about highlighting the Arbitrum mm -hmm. ecosystem. So, is there yeah, anything else you'd like? To that's a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, there's there are a lot of other um, exchanges of, of various forms um, that are you know either native to Arbitrum or or migrating to Arbitrum that we're very uh, that we're in talks with, that we're excited to work with. You know, I can name, you know, just off the top of my head, we've been chatting with uh, a group called Gains Network on Polygon that's in the process of migrating to Arbitrum. Um, you know, we've been chatting with Derry um, as well, which is, you know, cross-chain, but setting up on Arbitrum 2. And, you know, I think that there's going to be a lot of, you know, I think that given some of the features we talked about, you know, with Arbitrum, you know, earlier in this conversation, the fact that it inherits, you know, mainnet security, but is so much faster with, you know, far lower gas fees, it's going to be, you know, probably the central hub for a lot of, you know, DeFi trading activities. So, you know, any project that is, you know, developing um, any kind of trading platform on the network is a very natural fit for what we do, since that's an opportunity for us to, you know, allocate allocate liquidity at scale and, and generate yield. Um, and, you know, beyond that, obviously, we're, there's a lot of core Arbitrum native projects that we're just, you know, we've always been very close with. We're going to be launching alongside this USDC vault um, a suite of what we call super stakers, which are sort of specialized auto compounders that don't uh, generate sell pressure um, on, you know, the, the native pro the project's native token for DOPEX and, and Jones. So basically, you know, that's, we're, we're always keen to find ways to, to collaborate with those guys. Um, but, you know, for now, it's going to probably just be to start these, these super stakers that kind of give enhanced performance to their, uh, to their farms. I think longer term, we are very interested in, you know, kind of diversifying our sources of yield beyond just exchange liquidity. Um, into you know some of the other sort of major major DeFi um, you know project categories on Arbitrum, so we are interested in providing options liquidity, right? Since there's a number of great options protocols like DOPEX, Premia, etc. Um, on Arbitrum, and then you know also looking at at bridges as well um, as as an area where there could be opportunities to build some vault strategies. So that's kind of a, a very general overview, but to be honest, you know, lately we're so focused on, you know, this upcoming vault and then several other vaults that all do, you know, kind of leverage GMX and Tracer that that's, that's where our head has been lately. Great to hear. As, as we said, yeah, I mean, we know there's a lot of other protocols coming and it, it's going to be a robust ecosystem all around us. It is. It is. Um, great. Well, hey, guys, anything else that you want to flag on your end? I think we're just about at the hour. No, I mean, this has been a great AMA. Uh, we've learned a lot about the journey that Umami's been on. I, I hope, you know, the audience has learned, especially the newcomers, have learned a lot about GMX and where we're headed. Mm -hmm. And also our fun facts, which will be um, the Easter egg prompt will be dropped shortly after this AMA. So be sure to check that out and answer ideally correctly <laughs> if you want to win. And, um, yeah, we're just really looking forward to seeing, you know, what what kind of capital that vault can attract because i'm i'm suspecting a lot so i'm excited be a lot yeah <laughs> all right thanks so much guys really great catching up with you and um we'll talk soon awesome thank you yep bye-bye <laughs>